Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom in the Word. We're so glad that you're joining us and listening here today. We hope that the Bible study today will be a help and a blessing to you and an encouragement as we study the book of Hebrews together. Today we're in Hebrews chapter number two, and we're looking at verses 10 through 18. This is week number seven. We're already seven weeks into our study, our seventh Tuesday, studying the book of Hebrews. It's going to be quite a while as we study through this book, a wonderful book full of picturesque and very bold typology of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're excited to be able to study with you today. Today's lesson, we are entitling A Capable Captain. A Capable Captain. Last week, we looked at verses five through nine of our text, and we asked this question, who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? In verses five through nine of the text, we find that the angel, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about the world to come. And when he talks about the world to come, he's talking about the future reign, the future reign of Christ. And in this particular text, he makes it clear that the angels will not be put in charge of the world to come. That is, they may have some authority here and may have some authority now, but in the world to come, and man may may have been made a little lower than the angels, but we know there's coming a day when Christ will rule and reign, and those that know Christ will rule and reign with him. And so he kind of culminates in verse number nine with who's in charge? Well, we have those first four words of verse number nine. That's the key. But we see Jesus. Jesus is the one that's in charge, and it's very clear the reason why he's in charge is because we have been changed through the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we pick up in verse 10, and we look at verses 10 to 18 of this particular text, and we're going to read them here together. But in verse number 10, the Bible begins talking about this captain, uh, talking about the Lord Jesus. And again, remember the theme of Hebrews is making constant comparisons of with Jesus and other things that the Jewish uh, world, the Jewish mind would have been familiar with. Uh, they were familiar with angels and had a great deal of respect for the angels, believed that the angels had some sort of um, affirming power or were present to confirm the covenant that was given at Sinai. And of course, now we know that Jesus is giving us the new covenant and that old covenant, if it was confirmed by angels, the new covenant was confirmed by the Son of God, by the witness of the Son of God and the confirmation of signs and wonders. Now, as we continue to consider Christ and how much better he is than the angels, in verse number 10 down through verse number 18, he's going to continue to talk about the world to come. That is the context of these thoughts and of the fact that Jesus is a very capable captain, that he is one who is capable of not only being our captain, but as the section closes, of being our great high priest. Let's read verses verses 10 through verse number 18. The Bible Bible says, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. 
For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. As we look here in this section, it opens with this thought of the captain of our salvation. We'll notice here four things. We'll break this passage down into four individual sections. Verse number 10 is going to stand alone as we talk about the captain of our salvation. You'll notice as he begins verse 9, he says, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Now, what he's talking about is Christ's incarnation, that Jesus became a human. And as he became a human being, he was made like us so that he could taste death, so that he could walk a mile in your shoes and in mine. He's been in your shoes. He's been in my shoes. And the Bible says that that we, but now we see not yet all things put under him in verse number eight. That is not everything has been made subject to Christ yet. We're waiting on that day. But the Bible teaches us in verse number 10 that he is a captain who is capable of leading us. That is the person to whom we look for to leadership, the one that will, will lead us into the future in the world to come. Verse number five is Jesus. And you'll notice it verse says in verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And then this is just uh, kind of going back to the concept of Jesus being God, uh, that he was not only the Bible says that uh, for whom are all things, that everything's made for him and by whom are all things. Everything was made by him. So it, that's a declaration of deity. Jesus Christ was the one who not only made all things, but when he made all things, he made them for himself. He made them for his glory. The scriptures teach us this. The Bible says, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. That is, Jesus does not come victoriously by himself. Jesus comes bringing others with him. He comes with the first fruits. He comes with those who are experiencing victory in him through faith. You'll notice he says, he says, in bringing many sons unto glory. That is, it's not just about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is bringing with him. Jesus is bringing others along with him. And thank God, this is those of us who know Christ, those of us who, who, who know the Lord and walk with him by faith. He is bringing us with him. What? Unto glory. The world to come will be full of people who have been brought into that place by Christ. The Bible says in verse number 10, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through their sufferings. Now, this word captain is interesting because it's translated in a couple different ways in the New Testament. It's translated as the word prince and translated as the word author 
in the New Testament. Now, what we're being seen here in verse number 10 is that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the prince that brings peace. He is the one, the captain that, that leads us out in front. This word always refers to someone who involves others in his endeavor. That is, when you talk about the prince or you talk about the captain or you talk about the author, this word is always used to bring someone else along. For example, it's used of a man who starts and heads a family into which others are born or married. It's used of a man who founds a city in which others come to live. It was commonly used of a pioneer who blazed a trail for others to follow. Um, the archegos never stood at the rear giving orders. That's this Greek word. He was always out front. He was leading, setting the example. As the supreme archegos, Christ does not stand at the rear giving orders. He does not drive. He leads. He is always before us as our perfect leader, our perfect example. He is our prince. He is our captain. Uh, he is not driving the goats. He is leading the sheep. And he's bringing many, many sons with him unto glory. Christ, our incarnated cap captain, was a trailblazer who made possible through his incarnation, through his humiliation, through his excruciation, through his resurrection, through his exaltation, to bring some along with him. Christ brought us with him. That is, many sons to glory. What a blessed thought here from verse number 10, the captain of our salvation. And of course, as we look to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, that is, he is our perfect leader. He is our perfect captain, our perfect archegos, because he is able to, to be perfected through suffering. It was through the suffering of Christ uh, that we find that Jesus assumed this particular role and position. Then as we continue on in verses 11 to 13, we see not only that he's the captain of our salvation, but we see in verses 11 through 13, the connection to the sanctified, the connection to the sanctified. You'll notice beginning in verse number 11, in following suit with the many sons that he's bringing with him, the Bible says in verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Now, the intimation of this verse is that Christ is our sanctifier. Christ is the one who does the sanctifying. For both he that sanctifieth, that's Christ, and they who are sanctified, that's us, are all of one. That is, God has made us one in the sanctity that he has done. Jesus is our sanctifier. He is the one who makes us holy. He's the one who sets us apart. That's what the concept of being sanctified is. It means to set apart. That's what God is. God is holy. He's set apart from his creation. Now, here it seems that the writer is using it of a positional holiness granted to us in the work of Jesus Christ. No believer can ever be positionally confused for a sinner ever again. If you're saved today, he has sanctified you. Now, that doesn't mean that you may not get dirty daily and you may not need to confess and you may not need to get yourself cleaned up. But it does mean that positionally, positionally, that is where you are seated and how God sees you, you can never transgress to the point of being a sinner ever again. You've been sanctified. 
You've been brought together, made one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, practically, we get dirty. Positionally, we're made perfect in Christ. That is our position. The Bible says, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. What a wonderful thought here. We have been made part of God's family, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have a new family and a new position in the family. Jesus didn't just bring us in. He made us one with him. He didn't just bring us along. We're not just along for the ride. No, we've been made part of him. We have been made made his. We are we belong to him. We are part of his body. And the Bible says in verse number 11, he's not ashamed of us. What a blessing to know that God's not ashamed. Listen, there are times when I'm ashamed of myself. There are times when you should be ashamed of yourself through the behavior or things that you say or things that you think. But when God sees us, he sees us through the blood of Christ. And he's not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. I don't know if you've ever had someone who's acted in such a way that you're ashamed to be identified with them, ashamed to act like you know them. There are times when you know certain people do certain things and you say, listen, I'm going to wait in the car. I'm not going in with you. I'm not going to be around you while you act and behave that way. Listen, thankfully, the Lord Jesus, when he sees us, he's willing to be identified with us. And the only way he's willing to be identified with us is because of what Jesus has done. He brought us along, but he didn't just bring us along. He made us part of him. And you'll notice as we continue on this, this thought here in verses 11 to 13, as we continue, he says in verse number 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. When will I sing praise un, of, unto thee? Again, Psalm 22 and verse number two is being used here. He's with us in the church that's in the congregation. And we should sing praise to him. We should glorify him. We should exalt him saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Listen, what, what a great and glorious thing to be able to praise God for. The fact that he's brought us and he's made us one with him, the way he looks at us, that we are made one. And he's not ashamed to call us brethren. Let's give glory to God for this particular truth that's declared to us in the scriptures. In verse number 13, he continues and says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, excuse me, that's verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. So if, if this is the God that we serve, not only should we sing praises to him, but we should constantly trust him. We should constantly place our faith in him. Uh, we should walk with him. It should be a, a regular thing to walk with God, trust God, praise God, give him praise in the congregation. Uh, and again, all of this flows out of what Jesus has done. He's a capable captain. Uh, he's the captain of our salvation in verse number 10. He's connected to the sanctified in verses 11 to 13. And as a result, we praise him, we exalt him, we trust him. Then in verses 14 to 16, it, the writer goes on to explain his conformity with the slaves, his conformity with the slaves. That is, how did Jesus accomplish this? How, how do we how do we understand that Jesus not only became our captain, but that he has identified with us? Well, the way he identified with us is by becoming one of us. The it's the it's the focus of the incarnation and the humanity of Christ, beginning in verse number 14. You'll notice what he says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. 
Well, you and I are made of flesh and bones. We're made of flesh and blood. We're human, humanity, made from the dust of the ground. That is our composition. In order to be able to identify with mankind, Jesus took on our same composition. He was conformed into our image. Someone once said that the Son of God became a man so that man might become the Son of God. I think that's true. Jesus Christ became like a man so that we men could be made like God, made like the Son of God. The goal is is to swap roles. We could not go to God, so God came to us, and he came to us in human form. Jesus robed himself in humanity, in flesh and in blood, because that's what we were. And he came to walk here and to be part of us. Listen, we're all partakers. We're partners with each other in flesh and blood. It's common to us. It's common for you to look at another man or another woman and know that they're made up of flesh and blood just like you are. But Jesus took part, or that is, he took something that wasn't common to him. The Bible says here that he became a partaker. That is, it wasn't common to him, but he decided to take it anyway. It was not normal for God to be in human flesh, but he decided to do that in order to be able able to identify with us. The Bible says he took part in the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. The only way to destroy Satan was to rob him of his weapon, death. He had to take death out of the hand of the devil. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. Satan knew that God required death for us because of sin. Death had become the most certain fact of life. Everyone is going to die. Satan knew that men, if they remained as they were, would die and go out of God's presence into hell forever. Satan wants to hold men, hold on to us. Satan doesn't want to let us go. He's got us under control and under power. He wants to hold on to us until they die because once they're dead, the opportunity for salvation is gone forever. We'll never have another opportunity. Men cannot escape after death. So God had to wrest from Satan the power of death. He had to take the power of death from the devil because man was going to die. And for just that purpose, Jesus came. The Bible says that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus died so that when he raised from the grave and rose from the grave, he could look at the devil and he could take the keys of death away from the devil, the power of death away from the devil and be able to say that he no longer has domain and no longer has jurisdiction over man because of death, because Christ has conquered death. In fact, the book of, of 1 Corinthians would, would tell us in verse chapter 15, in the latter part of the chapter, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The, the strength of sin is is the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ that is Christ came to wrest death away from the devil so there would have no dominion over us and so we see in verses verse 14 he continues on with this thought of incarnation verse 15 and not only to to take the power of death and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So not only did he come to go through death 
and take the power of death from the devil, but he also came to deliver us, deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This is us. When I say his conformity with the slaves, we were the ones who were in bondage in verse number 15. We were the ones that were in bondage through fear, the fear of death. We no longer have to fear death because of Christ. Death, while maybe separation from our earthly body, and while we may fear the unknown of what's going to happen to us when we die, we have the sweet and blessed assurance that when we die, we will see Christ, that our faith will be realized, and we will see him. Why? Because Christ came to take the fear of death away from us. Certainly, death is not our friend. Certainly, death is not a good thing. And certainly, we fight for life. But the fear of death has been removed because of the people throughout their whole life that were in bondage. And Christ has freed us from that bondage. And then in verse number 16, he makes it clear that this nature that he's taken on us is not the nature of angels. No, rather, it's the nature of the seed of Abraham. It was man. The Bible says, for verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. It was being made in human flesh an ancestor of Abraham that gave Christ the right to be able to come and destroy death and to take that victory. And then lastly, in verses 17 and 18 of our text today, he talks about his capability through suffering, that he's capable through suffering. In verse 17 and 18, he's going to draw attention not only to the fact that he is our captain, but now a theme that you're going to see in Hebrews repeated multiple times that Jesus is our great high priest. In this text, he's a merciful and faithful high priest. The Bible says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. It's still talking about the incarnation. It behooved him. It was beneficial to Christ to be made like us. Why? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Listen, we talk about the high priest. He was of special privilege and position. He was the one who went in and offered the blood on the mercy seat on the, on the day of atonement. Uh, he was the one who, was, who had charge of responsibility uh, in Israel. He had great authority. The reason why Jesus could be made uh, was made a little lower than the angels. The reason why Jesus was made of the seed of Abraham. The reason why Jesus was made like unto his brethren was so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest, so that he could assume this. And remember, he is not a high priest after the order of Aaron. We're going to find out in the book of Hebrews. He is not a high priest after the order of Aaron. He is not a high priest after the order of Levi. He is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Here in verse number 17, he sees that he's a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Notice, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That is, who better to offer his own blood on the mercy seat? Who better to sprinkle the blood of atonement on the mercy seat than Christ himself? The one who has died, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, also is the same high priest of God who offers the sacrifice. And all this was made possible because he robed himself in human flesh. And then he ends in verse number 18. And he says to us in this particular text, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. 
You know, listen, the Bible says here that he can sympathize with us. He's a great, he's a merciful and faithful high priest. Why? Because he suffered, because he was tempted, because he struggled like we did in his humanity. He's able to succor them. That is, he's able to to comfort them. He's able to bring a measure of comfort. Jesus is our helper. He's our friend. He's a faithful high priest. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was overcome with fatigue. He slept. He taught. He grew. He loved. He was astonished. He was glad. He was angry. He was indignant. He was sarcastic. He was grieved. He was troubled. Troubled. He was overcome by future events. He exercised faith. He read the scriptures. He prayed. He sighed in his heart when he saw another man in illness, and he cried when his heart ached. Jesus felt everything that we will ever feel and more. For example, he felt temptation to agree that we could not possibly experience. Most of us never know the full degree of resistible temptation simply because we usually succumb long before that degree is reached. But since Jesus never sinned, he took the full measure of every temptation that came to him, and he was victorious in every trial. The latter part, he is capable. He is a capable high priest through his suffering, through the work that he did. He he was tempted in every point, but he suffered being tempted. And that makes him capable of bringing comfort and help and love and care and kindness and mercy to us as a merciful and faithful high priest. What a wonderful passage of scripture as in chapter two, verses 10 to 18, the writer of Hebrews describes for us a capable captain. I hope that you know the capable captain. I hope that you're trusting in him. I hope that if you know him, you're praising him in the congregation and that you're playing, pray, playing, you're putting your faith and your trust in him on a regular basis. And I hope that you're finding the comfort that you need in him because he is capable through his suffering to be identified with the situation that you're in today. May we be helped and encouraged by the one who loved us and gave his life for us. I sure thank you for joining us today on this Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom in the Word. We hope that these thoughts have been a help and a blessing to you. We hope that you are encouraged and that you take some of these thoughts with you into the remainder of our day. We hope that you'll join us on Thursday for our Thursday broadcast where we'll be answering your questions from the Bible. You can submit those questions to us. We'd be glad to help them and systematically work through them as we've done many others. Hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us today on Wisdom in the Word. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.